Welcome to Mintel Little Conversation, real conversations with actionable insights into what consumers want and why. My name is Alicia Young, and I'm Associate Director of Consumer Trends for the Asia Pacific region, but I am based in Sydney, and I am stoked to be back with you all for season five. Today, we're going to focus in on a key market within Asia Pacific. China has just recently eased restrictions on domestic and international travel, has forecasted lower growth than in previous years, and for the first time in nearly 60 years, has seen its population decline. However, we've also just recently seen that initial forecast um, economic growth for 2023 has been revised from 4.1% to 5 reflecting evidence that consumption and activity seem to be recovering actually faster than initially anticipated. So what does this all mean for Chinese consumers for 2023? To find out, I've invited Victoria Lee and Shannon Liu. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, Um, First off, I might just ask you to quickly introduce yourselves. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Shannon Liu. I'm a senior analyst based in Shanghai for travel and leisure sectors, and I'm glad to be here today with you all. Hi everyone, my name is Victoria Li. I'm a senior trends analyst, also based in Shanghai office, and thanks Alicia for inviting me to the session. No worries, I'm so glad to have you both. Um, so let's get started. For listeners who are perhaps unfamiliar with China's dynamic zero COVID strategy. Could you give a little bit of background on what the past few years have been like in China? Sure. Um, just add a bit more information. Zero COVID approach is an action to dynamically taking action when the COVID cases surface. So the purpose is to control all outbreaks with minimal social and economic disruption. But overall, we think, um, at least in the last year, affected by the massive COVID-19 outbreaks, um, China's economic development withstood great pressure, and also the retail market has been sluggish. Um, I feel like consumer sentiment is tightening. So we have concerns about the pandemic and related uncertainties continue to climb over time. So the situation is um, kind of improving following the ease of pandemic control policies. So I guess to touch back on, on Vicky, what you just mentioned before, coming into 2023, what is consumer sentiment like now? We've seen the economic forecast revised to be higher than was initially anticipated. Is this due to revenge spending? Yeah, I, I think there's a rising trend of revenge consumption or revenge spending. So I noticed the Shanghai Public Exit and Entry Management Department released the data that from January 9th to February 8th of this year, the department has already accepted a total of more than 380,000 exit entry documents for Chinese citizens. So including passports and also their documents to Hong Kong and Macau. So the total numbers highly surpassed the same period in 2019 and hit a record high. So I think the data is quite interesting because it fully reflects consumers' revenge consumption as a first step. And this is led by offline leisure and travel as well as entertainment activities. 
And I think the online entertainment, uh, the sector in particular, will also have some development potential as these are also key areas for consumers to help them distress even in a post-COVID uh, area. Um, but overall, I think consumers still have some cautious attitudes towards the near future because they are still facing the pressures from life and employment. But in general, I think they have a desire to continuously improve their quality of life. So this combination might make small leisure and entertainment expenditures more popular in this year. So there's quite a few sectors that are recovering quite quickly, it seems. And I want to touch on travel shortly as well, because that can often be um, quite a, a bellwether, I guess, as to consumer sentiment and recovery and all that kind of thing. But have we seen changes in day-to-day consumer behavior? We've, we've certainly seen changes across the rest of the world as consumers deal with significant cost of living challenges. And we're starting to see that a global recession is becoming a real possibility. Has consumer behavior in China changed um, with the, the slowdown in the global economy? I think for Chinese people, uh, their living condition um, basically remains stable compared with the rest of the world because of the price uh, prices and their disposable income actually increasing. Uh, according to the data from MBS, the consumer price ro- rose by 2%, uh, while the real disposable income rose by 5%. So thanks to all the action taken by the government, so Chinese people do not face a similar inflation and the cost of living issues as the rest of the world. And Vicky, are there any behavior changes that you've noticed with Chinese consumers? Of course, I think the the recession globally is going to have a, or has already had a impact on Chinese consumers or the uh, the market. I noticed uh, data from the the China officials that China's exports fell by six point eight percent. Uh, in combined figures for January and February this year compared with a year earlier. And also the imports fell by 10.2%. So the main reason is because of the global demand flatters. So that's why the trade slumps, uh, because we all know GDP consists of consumption, investment, and imports, exports. So mm-hmm. I think, yes, it's a, it's a fact that the because we are in an age of globalization. So if the rest of the world is headed for a recession, so we need to consider about the potential impact that the global recession is going to have on China economy or Chinese consumer markets. Yeah, it's impossible to kind of to stay isolated from all of this um, now, isn't it, in this globalized world? No country is an island. Is the impact even across the country um, or are there groups or demographics or even regions that have been or or could potentially be as well particularly affected by slowdowns, by potential cost of living issues? 
I think financially speaking, middle and low income households are more impacted by this kind of situation, uh, because there are unemployment issues and the、uh, the cost of living issues. So they are facing more pressures than high income households. Vicky, you mentioned the entertainment industry, entertainment and leisure as being an industry that might have some space for growth, or certainly kind of. Seeing a lot of interest as people try to, so one of our trends that、um, for twenty twenty three hyper fatigue really touches on this. You know, people are looking for ways to to disconnect from, you know, just take a break, take a bit of a relax. And I think leisure and and online entertainment is certainly a way that people are slowing down and taking moments for themselves. Are there any other? Sectors or industries where you think potentially there's space for growth, or conversely, that might actually see you know there might be some challenges ahead over the next or the coming year. Yeah, I feel like all demographics they are pay more attention to health conditions, no matter their physical health or their mental health,、um, more than ever before. So definitely, I think first of all. The function of food and drinks, and also the、um, healthcare industry, has much more potential to explore. And other than that, I think the kind of、uh, mental health, the kind of nervous nervousness and lack of security, is also a byproduct of the pandemic. And this may take more time to ease. I feel like this also creates room for brands to tap into. How to help our consumers to build a more、um, holistic mental health framework in the coming few years.、Um, in terms of challenges, I'm thinking maybe the offline retailers or offline sectors they will see more challenges than before because Chinese consumers are now more picky. <laughs> Because they have really enjoyed the convenience, the instant gratification they have received from the online entertainment or online retailing, so they have to work harder to lure their consumers back to <laughs> offline. That's really interesting because we've seen a lot of online retailers actually head back and, and create offline or, or brick and mortar spaces in order to augment their online offering. Um, so, do you think in China that perhaps consumers are less,、um, if not receptive, needing those spaces less? They're much more comfortable shopping online without needing that physical touch point. Sure, I think Chinese people are really savvy about digital <laughs> technology. So even elder groups, they have been really keen on keen to exploring how to use online to shop. To entertain themselves, so we have been seeing quite a lot of interesting elder people. They are quite nice in using like Douyin, the Chinese version of TikTok, and also Taobao <laughs> <laughs> to make their lives more easier and also more convenient. So I think that's an interesting、um, phenomenon compared to the rest of the world. So I think Chinese people are a bit different in this point of view.、Um, 
But I think this does not mean that they do not need offline anymore. So the key is how to make a balance, or how the offline retailers should be able to offer something that cannot be replicated online. For example, like the sensory experiences, how to satisfy your、uh, demand or your need to to be more closer to to closer to the nature and to spend your leisure time with your family and friends. So that's the, I think that's still something that online entertainment or online retail cannot meet in the near future. Yeah, tapping into those. Those offline needs that still exist.、Mm-hmm. I think it just、uh, China is a really interesting market as well. In that, from a retail perspective, people were shopping and were so much more comfortable shopping online even before the pandemic, right? Whereas the rest of the world, I feel like we really caught up to China and caught up in our comfortableness、um, shopping online. Maybe not even caught up really because China is still so far ahead. Like you said, they're quite savvy. But our, our, you know, our older consumers, for example, that are perhaps not not really, they'd managed to avoid online shopping for quite some time, and now suddenly they really needed to tap into it. Whereas older consumers in China, they were kind of already onto it anyway, which I think is a really interesting difference.、Um, Shannon, anything to add to those points? Anything that you've seen or, or, or industries that you think might face a bit of challenge in the coming year? Uh, yeah, I have、uh, a bit to add for the online and offline retailing. So I think one、uh, thing is different in China is that、uh, online shopping actually have a bit of price advantages、um, than offline shopping. So people tends to save their money, and they found it's more valuable when they shopping online. That's been something. Might add the advantages of online shopping sectors. That's interesting. Do you think that's down to the ability to compare prices more easily, or simply that there are just better deals to be found online? Um, I think it's simply because there are more better deal choices online. Uh, if in the future there are gonna be more, uh, price matching online and offline, I I think. People, consumers are willing to taking offline shopping experience because right now brands, I I saw them taking a lot of efforts to create it, those kind of immersive shopping retail spaces. They doing campaign events. That's also interesting to advocate their brand value and engage with their consumers. So I I think it's important to balance between these two and、um, also the price、um, concerning. Absolutely. Traditionally, I guess we have seen travel and tourism act as, you know, like we mentioned, this kind of bellwether for consumer confidence. You know, if people are concerned about money, they are less likely to spend big on holidays. But we've seen COVID has kind of reversed this, as consumers have been itching to escape. You know, their cities, their neighborhoods, their literal homes, no matter the price.、Um, I think it's become less of a luxury and more of a, a vital necessity for many of us. How are Chinese consumers feeling about domestic and international travel? Yeah, for travel sectors, actually, Chinese travel express very strong desire to、uh, 
studying their holidays both domestically and internationally. It also the sectors we see the firstly bounce back for the past spring festival. We saw the travel volume increase up. 23% when compared with last year. So even with financial pressure, uh, the Minter report also revealed that over 70% of consumers remain the same or even higher budget for their travel. So they think travel now is uh, really a way to uh, keep a healthy lifestyle and also, international travel remain very attractive, uh, especially among those high-income households, also uh, female aged 30 to 39 uh, in particular. They have very high spending power. Uh, they express that they will resume their travel uh, right after the ease of the travel restriction. Our forecast for the holiday market uh, is that the 2023 uh, the whole market will increase about 50%. 50%? Wow. That yeah. is massive. So Chinese consumers, they are itching to get out there, are they? Yes. <laughs> are there markets that are of interest specifically? Do you think they'll be going back to the to the countries they were visiting or the, the travel destinations, sorry, that they were visiting prior to the pandemic? Or are there new places? Um, actually, for right now, considering all the external uh, factors, now people, the most popular places overseas are Southeast Asia, uh, Japan, also Australia. Um, so people tend to travel to the uh, relatively nearby countries. Interesting. So we're keeping it within the Asia-Pacific region. Yeah. <laughs> love, love to see it. <laughs> and speaking as an Australian, I know that we really rely on um, Chinese tourism over here. So yeah. excited to hear that, we'll, that people will be heading back over soon. Yes. And I, you mentioned women aged, was it 30 to 39 as a, a key travel demographic? Would they be traveling solo? Actually, they tend to travel with their friends. So ladies group travel is popular. Um, oh, interesting. They also, right now, a theme is very popular among them is for relaxing and release their stress. So they tend to getting close to nature to enjoy a spa official uh, services. So uh, this is an opportunity area. I think uh, companies and brands can keep exploring to create those products and services can cater to uh, those consumers' needs. Nice. It sounds like a lot of opportunity for uh, many different markets in that space then, not yeah. just necessarily the travel and tourism, you know, your, your hotels, your airlines, all of that, but anyone offering services that, that cater to relaxation, to pampering, to, gosh, just anything that can help us take a bit of a bit of a break, right? Yeah. <laughs> We've seen the population of China decline for the first time in 60 years. Um, Vicky, you mentioned uh, older consumers and their, their general savviness and everything before, but you know, we, we're seeing kind of an aging population emerge. Firstly, do you think that, that this news will have any effect on consumer confidence moving forward? And I guess an extra little question there as well. With a, an older population, there'll be new needs that will emerge and will develop. Um, do we see any any emerging opportunities there for businesses? 
Yeah, I think the population structure shift is quite common in East Asian countries, not only China, but also like Japan and South Korea that are facing the same situation even before China. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I I feel like the population structure shift is actually a sign that's showing people are paying more attention to the quality of their life. So they tend to concentrate maybe their resources on their one to two kids or themselves instead of really uh, live at a um, just okay-ish quality of life. But yeah, so of course, I think when the aging population is rising, the opportunities emerge. For example, we, we've seen more advanced or more superior aging uh, living community appear in China in recent years. So in this kind of aging living communities, there will be more um, high-tech uh, home appliances equipped in each room. So they are more, they are designed to be more suitable for elderly people. For example, like the toilet is more user-friendly for elderly people who are not quite um, functioned or sometimes for the disabled group. So they can easily, they, they can have their life in a more um, convenient way and they can even live the life more independently. And also the other advantage of such communities is that um, the elder group, they can have their own socialization life with maybe like the same age groups with common interests or um, shared beliefs. They don't need to actually devote their whole time to their children, to their grandchildren, to their family as the maybe the past generations usually did in decades ago. So I think that's a huge shift because this means uh, brands definitely have more uh, room to explore the socialization needs, the entertainment needs, and also the focus of elderly group on their own needs and also like the health, well-being needs. So this is quite different than uh, years ago. So... Yeah, I think that's the that's we can grasp the opportunities. I definitely agree with Vicky about the senior people. There are the new opportunities for brands and companies. Uh, comparatively speaking, like before, they are uh, relatively less active for all the spending sectors. But uh, maybe we have now to really uh, explore what they need, what they want. So I think brands companies can keep research about them to uh, create new product and maybe upgrade their current product and services uh, to fit for uh, those groups' needs. You're so right. I think a lot of brands tend to assume what older consumers might need without truly asking them. I think that's really it's not it's not the best way to go about it because we don't really know how can. And, Older consumers are, they're healthier than ever before. They're living longer, better quality lives well into their, you know, 70s, 80s, way longer than, than we used to, right? And so what are people going to need in those stages of their lives if they're not 
you know, we have this this idea of people as as elderly and needing, you know, help with all of these different things. But what if they just want to live their best lives as older people? How do we help them to do that? Um, you're right. I think there's so much opportunity there if we just ask consumers, you know, what do they need? What do they want? And then represent them in the advertising as well, right? You know, when we're talking to, yeah. when, we're, when we're marketing those products, actually show healthy older people living their best lives, I think a lot of space for that. And as that that cohort grows, it's an increasingly important market to really focus on. Um, You've both mentioned quality of life increasing, focus on rest and relaxation, you know, all of these different things emerging. Do you think that priorities of Chinese consumers have changed quite drastically over the past few years? Have you really ever seen a big shift? So overall, I think... This is a general trend, even before the COVID. Like Chinese people mm. are, are more prioritizing the quality of life, but the pandemic is like faster the trend or boost their needs because they have to spend more time at home. So that's definitely leads to an increasing awareness how how the quality of life is going to benefit their mental health, their physical health. And yeah, especially for the younger generations, I think how to satisfy themselves becomes a high priority for them. So maybe instead of earning more money, like how to satisfy my own interests or just linking with friends with similar interests or similar background, it is a more important topic for them. It's interesting you mentioned earning enough money. Um, we've seen, I guess, the emergence of, of lying flat. Well, that was, I guess, what people were calling it in China. In mm-hmm. other countries, it was quiet quitting and just oh, just giving up broadly, right? But um, have we seen a move away from that, that hustle culture? I feel like um, in China, we call it... 996. <laughs> it's, yes. it's a toxic working culture. So there's an interesting uh, phenomenon in China, like they saying that Gen Z is really against the 996 working culture. So they are like... Understandably the, so, right? Sounds hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they really defend their personal life uh, outside, outside of work. So uh, in last year, we have a new... A uh, new word calling songshigan, which means chilling and relaxation, the sense of chilling and relaxation. So we do not say lying flat anymore because I think the word of lying flat uh, sounds more negative, but the feeling of chill and relaxation is more neutral or even more positive. Yeah, there's an active component, right? You, yes. you're, you're leaning into it. Yeah, I think that reflects people's attitudes towards how to choose my own life. If I choose not to work really hard, this is also okay. This is also acceptable. This is not my fault to not work 996. That's interesting. Do you think that there's been a shift in in status then or what what kind of status people chase so it's not just money anymore? Are there other things that people value? You mentioned, you know, family, community, all those other kind of things starting to be valued just as much as earning enough money, having enough, you know, 
climbing the corporate ladder. Yes, even me, even me. I, I try. I, I actually start trying to think about my priorities in my life. How to rank these kind of issues, including family, career, personal interests, and also my friends. So I can't say that people they have a quite different priorities than before. But this is a good starting point because this leads them to start thinking about how we should maybe change the priorities. And the, I think the ultimate purpose is to is to have a good quality of life. It's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Shannon, have you noticed something similar? Yes, I think the pandemic. Uh, actually, boost this kind of trend. People more focused on their health, both like physically and mentally. So they wanted to keep a balance between their work and their uh, daily life. Uh, they will focus on increasing the quality of their house uh, care, um, uh, their basically home experience. Uh, so, yeah, I think there is definitely a shifting that people now realize uh, work is for a better quality life, not just work. So, we're, yeah, working to live, not living to work anymore. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Love it. And I must say, even, yeah, like you say, Vicky, even personally, I've started to think, how can we, well, I mean, mine was also based on having uh, a child for the first time. And that, I think, does also shift your priorities. But... The pandemic, I think, also kind of had a bit of a hand in it. So I guess my final question then, and this is a bigger one, but what are the main challenges to businesses, uh, local businesses, but also global, um, you know, global companies trying to work with Chinese consumers in the China market? What do we think are kind of you know, those main challenges within China over the next few years? And then also you know, what opportunities are we seeing? We mentioned rest and relaxation. We mentioned, you know, travel, all these different kinds of things. What do we, what, what do we think? What are our predictions for the next coming years? One challenge is I saw, I think the globally issue is the cost of labor. So because of uh, all the geopolitical issues and, um, People now facing of the, uh, actually the cost of material also increasing. So especially for manufacturing business, they are facing this kind of, uh, pressure coming from the cost of labor and, uh, the raw materials. So I think it is one thing is important is for companies to conduct digitalization and automation for their, uh, productions, operation, retailing. This can really help them to hedge the risk of this kind of higher labor cost. Just a small point to add on. There's a, I think there seems to be a rising trend of consumers are really increasingly vigilant about overconsumption. So we're seeing quality think, as a theme then over quantity as well, perhaps. Yeah. And there's going to be a gradual shift from different consumption habits to another new one. Because I think in the past, if you need to attract the attention of consumers, you only need to produce some really fancy products and also marketing campaigns. 
so that can easily track Chinese consumers' consumption. But in the past one to two years, um, no matter in the social media platform or uh, between the discussion with my friends, I, I noticed that there's there are more people talking about minimalism and also sustainability, these kind of stuff, especially among the young younger groups. So I think that means that people are still thinking about what consumption brings to them. Sometimes they feel like consumption only brings them more products, but is it the thing that they really need to, to live better or to make the world a better place to live in? So that's going to be a challenge, but maybe at the same time, a good opportunity for no matter local and global business to think about in terms of changing consumers' consumption minds. Cool. I feel like we've covered an awful lot today. Um, I mean, it was a big topic anyway, but we've, we've certainly covered a lot. So I guess then things to keep in mind over the coming year are that, you know, we've seen that retail might have a bit of a tough time over the next year or so, um, but that'll just mean that we'll have to have to prove value in both offline and online spaces, but that doesn't mean that consumers aren't ready to spend. Um, We've seen that consumer confidence starting to bounce back. Travel is back on the cards and Chinese consumers are very keen to holiday again. So that's exciting for everybody. And rest and relaxation really seems high on the agenda. Consumer priorities are really starting to shift from living to work to working to live. And it really seems like quality of life. I mean, I think this is a global trend right after the pandemic, but quality of life is is really key. So thank you so much for listening. The conversation doesn't end here. However, head over to Mintel's LinkedIn to let us know what you think or visit Mintel.com to become a member of our free spotlight community. Make sure you subscribe to Mintel Little Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode because you'd hate that. And you can rate or leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that as well. Hope you join us next time for the next episode of Little Conversation. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.